Welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hi, everyone. I'm Carol. And I'm David. Are you ready to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny? Well, you've come to the right place because that's what the sexy lifestyle is all about. David and I are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be. We sure are. And you know we love talking about sex and sexuality, sexual pleasure, communication, consent, respect, and relationships. And hope our discussions open up your dialogue about great sex because... Well, great sex matters and we all deserve it. So, do you ever wonder what it's like being a porn star? Can you picture yourself on a production set surrounded by other sexy men and women all performing sex on camera? Well, the adult industry can skew our perspective on sex, love, and dating as we consume more and more pornographic content than ever before. On today's show, Obscene Thoughts, we will examine sexual behaviors of men and women and the reasons why people cheat, all from the perspective of an experienced pornographer. Right, can't wait for that one. But before we introduce our guest, Dave Pounder, let's take a minute to chat about the new Sexy Lifestyle and our brand new talk radio network. At the Sexy Lifestyle, we're all about the village. And yes, it takes a village of sex educators to cover all aspects of human sexuality. And yes, we're up for the challenge. We're working hard to bring you all sorts of educational information, advice, and experience on a sexy, fun, and entertaining platform. We sure are. Our show, The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David, has been so successful, now with 300,000 listeners in over 65 countries, that we've partnered up with Voice America to create a brand new network called the Sexy Lifestyle Talk Radio Network, and it's going to be dedicated to sex education through open and honest discussions about sex and everything related to spicing up your sex life. So in essence, we're creating a safe space for people to listen, learn, and live sexy. Together with 40 to 50 other hosts who are sexologists, sex educators, sexy podcasters, and other industry professionals, each with their own show, covering all different aspects of sex, sexuality, sexual pleasure, relationships, travel events, and so much more. Right, and this summer we'll be launching the Sexy Lifestyle Talk Radio Network, which will live on our brand new and redesigned thesexylifestyle.com, which is going to house the live streaming software from Voice America, and a whole lot more. Now, each host will have their own webpage on thesexylifestyle.com where they can offer their articles, blogs, books, videos, seminars, retreats, or whatever tools that they have to help people spice up their sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny. And thesexylifestyle.com will be the place to find out everything about sex and more. So stay tuned and we'll keep you posted on the progress of the new Sexy Lifestyle Talk Radio Network as well as the sexylifestyle.com as everything moves forward. So if you or someone you know would be interested in hosting or sponsoring some shows on the Sexy Lifestyle Talk Radio Network, send us an email at ask at carolandavid.com. Now, we're so excited to introduce our guest, Dave Pounder, who has been involved in the adult industry for over a decade, having produced, directed, and performed in more than 100 adult films. Originally educated in finance and information management, Dave moved to his, his educational interest to human sexuality, 
specifically mainstream consumption of pornography, and has lectured on the topic of adult entertainment at several academic institutions. Wow, you know, I'm really looking forward to this show because if you look at Dave's picture and my picture, and my name's David, and his name's Dave, and we're both bald, it's like, you know, we should like be doing this together. We can do like the bald the porno. Double, the double Dave? The, the, the double Dave, something like that. <laughs> Dave Pounder, welcome to The Sexy Lifestyle. Thank you. Uh, nice to be here with you guys. And I agree. I think we may have been separated at birth. <laughs> it's uh, uncanny how uh, similar we look. And uh, we have the same but name. But my husband's not interest, a porn so star. Pretty, uh, you know, I've always wanted to be one. <laughs> <laughs> no, you guys do look very similar. We look forward to meeting you one day now that you're Absolutely. down in Florida, where we love to be. Especially in the yeah, winter. Yeah, I hope you guys come down and visit. You're always welcome. Thank you so much. I think we just might have to take you up on it. Not now that the summer's here in, in Montreal, but certainly soon. Uh, right. So let's just jump right into it. And how about if we get talking about how you got into the adult industry? Sure. I mean, I was actually working in banking. Um, I, you know, I worked at Wachovia Bank as actually a data analyst studying, uh, you know, how, how people default on auto loans and creating predictive models and things like that. And I was sitting there in my cube and I thought to myself, you know, I'm going to be working eight to five, five days a week, only two weeks off a year for the rest of my life. At the time I was like 23, you know what I mean? Just out of grad school. And I'm like, this sucks. I mean, there has to be a better way. So I got into like mainstream acting on the side and I was on shows like the OC and it was so boring. You sat around and sat all day. It was just it was 80, 90% of your time was just waiting. I'm like, this sucks. I'm like, I should like start a production company. So I looked into like mainstream movies. It was like millions of dollars of capital. I mean, it was just kind of out of, out of reach for any person really trying to get in and make mainstream films. And I kind of stumbled um, into the porn world and realized that I could make a porn movie at the time for about ten to $15,000. And I had plenty, you know, of capital, not millions available at the time for experimental purposes for mainstream films, but I could definitely test the waters with the, uh, with the adult industry. So I started making contacts just through living in LA and going to swingers clubs. It actually started when I was at a swingers club club and I met a guy named Maurice who was uh, pretty experienced in the scene there. And he saw me hooking up with this uh, couple on the couch and I really didn't care that everybody was watching. It didn't bother me at all. It was like a horny 23, 24 year old. He was like, Hey man, my uh, buddy, you know, shoots adult movies in LA and he's looking for people to play extras as like a husband on this uh, series for wildlife video at the time called screw my wife, please. <laughs> so I'm like, Oh, absolutely. I'll go. I don't care. I'm a very, uh, you know, open person in terms of trying this stuff out. But uh, anyways, <laughs> I went down to, <laughs> I went down to, um, to LA and yeah, I didn't know anything about porn at all. I just showed up and I was supposed to play the husband, like watching my wife and really pretending, Oh, this is so hot. She's hooking up with the porn guy. Anyways, the girl says, Hey, he's cute. Can I hook up with him too? And I'm like, absolutely. And the director's like, do you have a test? I'm like, what do you mean a test? He's like, you know, like an HIV test. I'm like, uh, no. He's like, then you can't hook up with her. I'm like, oh, this sucks. So at the end of the uh, at the at the end of the um, the shoot, I was you had been networking with everybody, and I called an agent that I had learned about at this thing, and I said, hey, my name's Dave. I was told to call you, even though they had never told me to tell him to call, and I kind of made this story up, and I went in there and I interviewed. I got my test. And then I started doing shoots and I failed miserably the first few times. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And then eventually, you know, time, I, I, I you know, progressed into the bigger companies and just started getting very popular within the, uh, the adult scene. And uh, then I just noticed that the people who were making money weren't the performers. It was, the, you know, the directors and the producers were making more than the directors and on those lines. So just, you know, given my business background, I kind of moved in that direction. I started going to trade shows, even just as a performer. And I would find out, Hey, how much does it cost to author a DVD? How much is replication? How much is packaging? And I would just start putting together these sort of performance spreadsheets 
on trying to calculate how much it would cost me, you know, to make a movie and how the distribution would go. The, the downside is that I'm extremely conservative in terms of, of money. I'm kind of like cheap. <laughs> so I was like, well, let me make one movie and validate that it made money. So I spent like, you know, 10 or 15,000 and I made like 50, 60,000 in that movie, like within the first year, I'm like, wow, wow. this is like quadrupling my investment. Mm-hmm. I should do more. And instead of just jumping right into it and just starting to just produce a shitload of movies, I just did another one to verify it. You know, and at that time, you know, the business started sort of beginning to its decline in terms of free content and priority content. But ultimately I did very well. I mean, it could have done even better, you know, financially had I not been so conservative in terms of ensuring I would get my return on investment. Uh, but it was a great experience and uh, I have nothing negative really to say about, about the adult industry. I can tell you the people are there by their own fruition. I've been in there, I was in the business for about 10 years. And I, I think maybe once, maybe, had I, had I suspected that a girl was, was not there by her own will, maybe. But wow. of the, you know, thousands of people I've interacted with and the hundreds of scenes that I've done, um, you know, it's, uh, I, I, everyone is always, it's like the lifestyle. You know, you go to lifestyle, you go to like, you know, the Hito or the Caliente pool and, you know, people are there by their own choice. No one's forcing anyone to go there, you know, things along those lines. And, and, and this idea that, you know, people are forced into pornography, or at least the, the, the legitimate pornography industry is completely baseless. So now you spent 10 years in the porn industry. You made some okay money. You had fun. And then you decided to write a book called Obscene Thoughts. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, you know, I started noticing that the sort of social norms around dating are just completely inaccurate. And the analogy that I use is that of astronomy. Back in the day, you know, people would read the Bible and say, oh, you know, everything's about the earth. Everything goes, you know, the sun goes around the earth. Everything's centered around the earth. And then all the astronomers started looking at the data and said, well, the data suggests that the earth actually goes around the sun. You know, people like Galileo and Copernicus. Then they they were like, burned at the stake. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Persecuted, put in jail, burned at the stake. So, and I find like when I talk to regular people about evolutionary psychology as it pertains to dating, like it, women especially are, have sort of this visceral response when I tell them, look, men are non-monogamous. You know, we don't desire that. We have to tell women that we're monogamous in the mainstream world to get them to go out with us. Otherwise they'll be like, F you, there's some guy that tells me he's monogamous and he ends up cheating on her anyways. But, you know, you just look, and there's, there's so much data supporting that. I mean, even if you look at like, um, the cost of having sex, for example, like for a man, I could be walking down the street and some sex, sexy woman says, Hey, you know, let's hook up. And I hook up with her and, and you know, I, let's say I just nut in like 20 seconds and I'm on my way. That's the extent of my investment. But for a woman, you know, she could potentially get pregnant. You know, her, her brain hasn't caught up with sort of the recent advances in medical technology. And in terms of evolutionary terms, which is, you know, millions of years, I mean, birth control, in the last hundred years doesn't really count. It hasn't caught up with That's us. That's why it's primal, why, right? It comes exactly. automatically in your brain. It's the same reason that you jump at the sight of a snake, but you don't jump at the sight of a swimming pool or a light socket, even though you're much more likely to die from a light socket or a swimming pool statistically than you are from a snake. Because, you know, snakes have been around for hundreds of millions of years. Swimming pools, not so much, you know, so <laughs> you haven't, you haven't, or electrical sockets even less. So, you know, you haven't uh, had, had time to really develop that into your brain circuitry. So, so it all makes sense. So like for a woman, there's, there's a much higher cost of having sex than there is for men. So women have to be more discriminating. They have to get to know the guy. It, does this guy have um, resources? Is he going to be able to help provide for my child in the event that he gets pregnant? Not that you're thinking this consciously. Just thinking, it's in the back of your mind. It's the same way a guy looks, he doesn't look at a girl who's 90 years old in a nursing home and say, oh, I want to fuck her no. because she doesn't signal fertility. You know, guys are interested in like girls that, you know, typically are younger, have boobs, et cetera. And even when women get older into their 40s and 50s, oftentimes they'll get cosmetic surgery to sort of 
you know, elevate their breasts, make their butts look nicer, so they you know, look use younger. makeup. Yeah, and trick the male mind into thinking, wow, this person is more fertile than they actually are. And it's not that guys are thinking about, hey, I want to have babies or consciously thinking about fertility. But in terms of evolutionary psychology and trying to sort of procreate the species, men are, are, are wired unconsciously to be attracted to cues of fertility and women unconsciously to be tied to cues of social status, resources, social dominance, and things that are correlated toward kids being successful and, and their offspring surviving in, in, a, in a competitive uh, framework. Cool. So, so your book, once again, is Obscene Thoughts, and the tagline is A Pornographer's Perspective on Sex, Love, and Dating. Now, when you wrote the book, was it relevant, or how was it relevant to your dating and sex life while, while you wrote it or before you wrote it? Yeah, I think it's relevant to everybody's, not just mine, but everybody's. Uh, it's really sort of this universal approach. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, people in finance know if you write a book about, say, interest rates, there, there's no disputing the fact that as interest rates go up, bond prices go down. Reverse, you know, there's an inverse correlation between interest rates and bond prices. This is a fact. This doesn't apply to some bonds or other bonds. And it's the same thing when you when you look at evolutionary psychology. We don't talk about like like David, you know, David in Montreal and David in Boca Raton. You know, we we may say, hey, I like the color blue, and David in Montreal might like the color purple. Right? That's that's individual. That's not universal. But I can tell you without having ever met you guys. I mean, we just started chatting what like a week ago. Yeah. I know that David values sexual variety. Okay, I don't have to know him to know that he would prefer to have multiple partners if he's able to. And if he says no, then I would argue that he's lying for the superhero. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, not I, no. I won't say no. That would <laughs> definitely not. not no. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, you know, but but let's just say that you know a lot of guys would say absolutely not. How could you say that? I love my wife, and and he is really sort of in this what they called signaling um, status of trying to you know signal to his wife that I would never cheat on you, that I would never do this because his wife has to sort of believe that. But and a lot of women don't understand. You know, they think you know for for women. Women don't desire sexual variety per se. They're just not like, oh, I love my husband. Everything's great. Let me go fuck a bunch of different guys. It's like it's not in there. It doesn't make sense for them to do that from an evolutionary perspective because it just you know, made it less likely to know who the father was, less likely to get investment, all these kind of things. Where for men, it was in their interest because there was no uh, cost associated with doing that. So, so, and this is why like even in dating sites, men are always like, send a picture, send a picture. You know, is she fat? Uh, can you send me a, a, a picture in a bikini? And, and women rarely say, send me a head-to-toe picture. They're like, you know, send me a nice shot of your face smiling. Face you know, smile, looking like exactly. through the eyes to uh-huh. see the person. So a lot of women will, will they'll say, hey, you know, why do these guys keep sending me penis pictures? And I say, because these guys are dumb and they're myopic. And they think, wow, I would love a woman to send me a picture of her tits or her vagina or naked. So surely she must want me to send one. And then the women are offended. And then women send men a picture of their face smiling pretty and the guy's like, is she fat? Because <laughs> <you know, laughs> not realizing that the guys are thinking, well, I got to see this girl's body type. I care about fertility. One of the women, not necessarily because males' body types aren't correlated with fertility. So you start understanding why people do these things. When the guy sends the penis picture on a dating site or a swing site, he's not trying to be creepy. He's not trying to be weird. He wants to see tits and ass, or he thinks you want to see that. He's, he's, it's the same way that like, if I'm cold and I, I want a sweater, maybe if it's cold, I might offer you a sweater, thinking you think like I do. And when a woman sends a picture of her face smiling with her beautiful eyes and smile, she's not trying to conceal that she's 200 pounds. She might be you know, 110 pounds. Yep. She's just thinking, wow, this is what I would want from a guy. So I want to show him that I'm a nice person, that I have a nice smile, that I have nice eyes, that I seem like a genuine person. And it doesn't even occur to her that the guy's thinking, Wow, I can't see your body type. Is she fat? So yep. there's all these evolutionary cues that are sort of that are sort of going on. And with the dating, I mean, you know, uh, people read the book, 
And they're initially upset. Like, this guy's full of shit. I hate this crap. What's he talking about? Blah, blah, blah. There's sort of this initial negative reaction after reading the book. But then what happens is they start observing. They start noticing now because the seed was planted in their head. All of these things happening and unfolding right in front of them. And then they're like, fuck, he was right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So they're, they're pissed. And then it's almost like, I mean, like, think about you. Like, you guys have this great relationship, right? And let's just say, as a David, you know, Carol is actually sneaking Without your knowledge, she's sneaking, um, you know, money from your investment accounts over to like uh, a, uh, I don't know, an animal rescue fund in Poland. Dave's like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" And I'm like, "Well, look, if you go to the accounts, and then you go, and you're like, oh shit, they, you know, there is a transaction there. Like, oh shit, there is a thank you letter.' And then you're like, "Fuck, he's right. <laughs> like, she is, but like, you'd have never thought so. You know what I mean? Like, and and that's kind of the reaction that I that I observed book, over and over again. In your book, when you're talking about the cheating and about why people cheat, are you referring to a personal experience that you've had? No, not at all. I'm, it's purely, um, I would say, a conjunction of many different things. One is the primatological data, looking at our closest uh, genetic relatives. So, for example, our closest primate cousins are chimpanzees and bonobos. Bonobos and chimpanzees are equidistant in our linear uh, heritage. Uh, it's not like one is more than the other. Uh, chimpanzees are more warfare-based, and both are highly, highly promiscuous species, but chimpanzees divide, conquer, and rape, where bonobos don't. Bonobos use sex as a social bonding. So the idea that we share over 99% of our DNA with chimpanzees and bonobos who are highly promiscuous, externally displayed testicles, all of the sort of scientific data associated with promiscuity, and then to say that humans are not, to me is, is just not intellectually honest. Um, when you look at primates that are monogamous, like a gibbon, for example, a gibbon has a very low testicle to body mass ratio, unlike a chimpanzee or bonobo or human. Um, and their testicles are internal. They're not external like humans, chimpanzees and bonobos. And, and gibbons actually are monogamous and made for life. But a lot of people, especially like, you know, religious people, I think a lot of this monogamy comes from sort of religious doctrine. You know, they, they, they try to go to monogamy and look at birds or look at gibbons. They should look at gibbons. I don't think they do, but they should, you know. But people try to go toward those things and try to, like, tell us that we should be uh, monogamous. And it's just, it's just not in line with, um, I think, human male behavior. Now, what I think is interesting is, you know, an analogy I use all the time is I think men and women both want emotional intimacy and emotional relationships, but our sexual strategies or optimal sexual strategies over evolutionary time diverge. You know, men value variety, women don't for, for obvious reasons in terms of women don't want to split resource allocation among rival females and things like this. Right. So what I tell people is this, let's say that, you know, you guys, David and Carol are in a traditional monogamous relationship. You guys have never been to a lifestyle club. You guys just, you know, go to work and you live in Toronto and you, you know, you do your thing. Um, I would say that I wouldn't argue that David doesn't love you or doesn't care about you, but I would say that if he had the choice, that he would rather be non-monogamous. I mean, still be with you, but just be able to have sex with the girls. Um, and I think that when a guy is not able to do that, it's kind of mean. It's kind of against our nature. It's kind of like having a dog and caging a dog and leaving the dog in the cage all day and not taking him for a walk and not letting him play with toys and not bringing him to the dog park because you're jealous he's playing with other toys or other dogs or the people even though you know the dog's coming back to you. Right, even though now, the dog you, loves you more than anything. Right, I know, but you, you, you're, you're denying the nature of the dog by not letting him pee on a tree or go to the dog park or go for a walk or whatever. Now, if you flip it to the swinging side, and I've validated this over and over and over again with, with lifestyle couples, is I feel like they're guys that are ethical that say, you know what, I don't want to have to cheat on my wife because guys cheat, you know, and, and, and they don't want to do it. Like, it shouldn't have to be this way. So they try to make it ethical and they say, you know, Come into the swing lifestyle with me. You know, we'll, we'll do this open. We'll do it together. You know, blah, 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 blah. 
And to me, that's the female version of the monogamous marriage where the guy still loves his wife but would rather you know, not be monogamous. He'd rather be non-monogamous. I feel that most of the women in the lifestyle are in the lifestyle for the benefit of their husbands. And what happens is it's not that they don't love their husbands or they don't really you know, like doing it. It's more that if they had the choice, if I said to most lifestyle couples, if your husband came to you and said, listen, we've been swinging for like five years. It was cool. You know, I think we should just kind of get out of it and maybe just, you know, hang on the balcony, have some wine, go for a walk and just kind of chalk it up to an experience. I would say that about 90, 95% of women would say, I'm game. You know what I mean? And it's not that they didn't like it. Just like a man didn't really, un, you know, not like being monogamous. He would just rather be non-monogamous. I think women would just rather not swing. And I think that it's almost like, I talk about this in my book, that the only way for a man and a woman to be fully maximized in a relationship as for a guy and a girl to be in a perceived monogamous relationship where she believes there's monogamy, the guy secretly cheats, everybody's needs are met. The guy's getting his variety, the woman believes the guy is monogamous, so she feels optimized. And there is a level of deception in that, unfortunately, but I think that's just kind of the, the natural world. In the same way that you know, you're watching the nature channel and you see the little deer and he's trying to cross the river and there's this crocodile hanging out and you know he's there. And all the watchers like, don't cross the river. Don't cross the river. They don't want the deer to die. And he crosses and he gets eaten. And, and it sucks does. for the deer, but that's nature. Yikes. I mean, you know, if guys were monogamous, the, the, the population would not have, you know, um, you know, multiplied in the way that it needs to for the survival of the species. So just, and, just know, to summarize, you think that cheating is a natural way of dealing with this non-monogamous uh, evolutionary status of a male. And Absolutely. she sometimes knows it's happening and turns a blind eye, which we have seen in many uh, different relationships, and or the relationship gets broken up and destroyed because of his cheating if she finds out and right. it doesn't turn the blind eye. Right. And, and that is unfortunate. And, and think of it like this. Assume I made an analogy and I said, you know, just so women can understand how men are and say, you know, I only want you to pee once a day. Okay. <laughs> so you can only use the bathroom once a day. Now it's possible. I mean, you could do it, right? You could dance around and just hold it. You really have to pee, but you're not going to pee. Told my wife once a day, 8 a.m. I'll pee. And you're holding it in. But the question is, is, is it necessary? I mean, it can be done, right? Mm -hmm. But it's kind of uncomfortable. It doesn't, doesn't really serve any purpose. It's like when you got to pee, just pee. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. that's how it should be, mm -hmm. right? So this idea, a lot of women will say, well, you know, this is just trying to justify male promiscuity or men can control themselves. But the question is, is why should men control themselves? It's almost like, well, if you inverse the analogy, say, you know, women are nurturers by, by sort of biology. And when women oftentimes see a puppy or a baby their instinct is to huddle it or, or, or hug it or kiss it or think it's cute or spend some time with it. And imagine like you're walking down the street and you see a little puppy or you see a little baby and David says, don't touch it. If you touch it, you're done. We're breaking up. That's not why. Why would he do that? Mm -hmm. Like It's so mean. Now, David probably doesn't have the same inclination. He's probably not walking down the road and he sees a little toddler and oh. he wants to pick it up and cuddle it and oh, kiss it. Oh, but if he and, sees a puppy, he'll want to cuddle it. Don't worry. All right. Yeah, but, but more the toddlers. You know, but but you, you get the point. You know, it's, it's, I it's get this the idea, point. It's this idea that women don't get that when men have sex with other girls, it has absolutely nothing to do with their relationship. Nothing. So, Zero. It's like taking the dump. It's like taking the piss. It, 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 it's like eating lunch. And if you own a big analogy, I use is you. Everybody wants to get into the um, restaurant franchise business. Okay, and and you and David are 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 the franchise. You know, David's the franchisee, and you are the model that he likes. You are the uh, 
you know, the, the Olive Garden. I don't know what they have in Canada. You know, the, the Tim Hortons. Right? Like, he wants the franchise of Tim Hortons. You're Tim Hortons. He likes the franchise model. He likes everything. But just because he spends 80 hours a week with you at Tim Hortons, and just because he invested a million dollars in this Tim Hortons franchise, and he's leaving his Tim Hortons resources to all his children that he has, you know, with Tim Hortons, if he eats at Tim Hortons every fucking day, he's like, dude, I just want some Burger King. <laughs> Give me some Olive Garden. And when he goes there, it doesn't mean that he doesn't like his investment in Tim Hortons. It doesn't mean that he wants to sell it and franchise a Burger King. There's no risk. It's pure variety. You know what I mean? So, so and, and women don't get it. And there are, and there are guys who aren't happy that'll cheat too, but that's a whole different thing. So Dave, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to hold for a second. Cause we're going to get into this relationship, guys, girls, fucking and swinging and you know, your um, enjoyment and fun that you have at Caliente. But first we're going to remind everybody that this is a sexy lifestyle. We are Carl and David. And today we're chatting with Dave Pounder, author of the book, Obscene Thoughts. When we come back, we're going to get into the difference between men and women's sexual behavior. So stay tuned. We're going to have a quick word from our sponsor, our Throws of Passion Waterproof Sex Blanket. Maximize your orgasms and just let go. The Throws of Passion Waterproof Pleasure Blanket guarantees to keep your sheets dry, no matter how wet it gets. From massage oils to lubes and beyond, we've got your bed covered. So just throw it down and get it on and get lost in your very own Throws of Passion. Then toss it aside and bask in the afterglow of great sex in a warm, dry sheets. The all-new Naked Fleece provides a soft and sexy playscape, while the stay-dry barrier protects your bed, your couch, and even your carpet. It's machine washable, large enough to cover a king-size bed, and light enough to travel discreetly. To get your own Throws of Passion waterproof pleasure blanket, visit thesexylifestyle.com and order yours today. That's thesexylifestyle.com. Great sex starts now. are listening to The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Got a burning question or comment about today's show? Send an email to ask at carolanddavid.com and we just might be answering your question next. Now back to this week's show. This is The Sexy Lifestyle and we are Carol and David and today we're talking with pornographer Dave Pounder, author of the book Obscene Thoughts. Now, let's take a minute and take a look at the difference between men and women. There's so much discussion these days about female sexuality and how men and women need to learn more about female pleasure zones and how they work. So Dave, let's hear your perspective on the behavioral differences between men and women related to sex and love and dating. Sure. I mean, I guess there's there's two sort of, well, I guess there's the universal, which is that women typically value um, men who are signaling ambition, who are signaling commitment who are signaling, or not even signaling, who are tall, they tend to, to like sort of this body dimorphism, you know, bigger, taller guys that can sort of, it's this element of protection, things along those lines. Men conversely tend to, are kind of uh, irrelevant to women's level of ambition. They're more concerned with her physical appearance, um, you know, again, cues of fertility, uh, things along those lines. Now, when you get into the, into the lifestyle, for example, it's very interesting because I noticed this huge difference between couples and single girls. The, the couples are my favorite. And, and the reason my, the couples are my favorite is because everybody wins. See, women want companionship. I mean, men want companionship too, but women almost have like a deeper desire. It's almost like women and men want sex, but men want sex more. 
women and men want companionship, but women want companionship more. And every time I meet a couple, it's not that the woman is like, oh, I get to go have sex with Dave. Like, it's not about having sex with Dave. It's about knowing that the couples that select single guys like me, that, you know, you know, I mean, not like me, but just guys in general, that the husband typically is excited watching his wife with another guy. And she knows that. And women are pleasers and she wants to please her man. So she says, hey, let me find a cool, non-creepy, attractive, you know, clean, single guy. And, and she's hooking up with, <laughs> exactly, <Hey>. yes, surfer, <laughs> surfer day. <laughs> and she's, uh, and she's, you know, so, so they pick me, I chat, I meet them. Oh, he's this nice guy. He's cool. So now when, when the wife is having sex with me, it isn't this like erotic, orgasmic, like Dave's taking, it's nothing about that. It's more about, I'm so happy knowing that my husband right now in this moment is so excited watching me with this other guy. So I'm happy because I'm having sex with this attractive wife. The guy's happy because he's watching his wife that he's always want to see. And she's happy, not because she's having sex with me, but because she's pleasing her husband in the process and because I'm this nice, decent looking, you know, non-creepy dude. So everybody wins. At the end of the day, the husband will then take care of the wife, give her the orgasm that she wants because he knows her intimately. And they walk away and it was a fun experience. I, I'm like the air balloon. You know, you got to take a hot air balloon flight and I was the hot air balloon and I contributed to the fun. Now, when I meet like a single girl, she doesn't have that primary relationship and most women want that. So they'll meet me and if I hook up with a couple and I call them a month later and say, hey, I'm in town. It's like, hey, how, how great is it to hear from Dave? If I hook up with a single girl and I call her a month later, I'm the asshole that didn't call the next day or I'm just trying <laughs> to get laid. You know what I mean? Like, because I didn't, I didn't move toward the relationship. And I laugh because a lot of these lifestyle sites, a lot of couples will say, you know, couples only know single men, right? Like in every section of their profile, which I understand if you're not looking for single guys. But I actually thought about putting couples only know single females, which I think would be funny and actually gain favor with couples, <laughs> but also really sort of signal that, you know, I don't, I, I met up with a single girl two weeks ago and she came here and without even saying anything, she's like, she, she gets to my place and she's like, oh, I'm not moving in, brings four bags inside and spends the night, even though we never talked about spending the night. Now I didn't have anything to do that night, so it was okay. Otherwise I would have had to kick her out. You know, it was, it was, it was just bizarre that this, no couple would show up to my place with bags and spend the night without having asked first. Where with women, it isn't necessarily so uncommon. And, you know, they, they, they're looking for that relationship. They're looking for a swing partner. They're looking for, for someone to go to parties with them. And the couples aren't. And the, and the women also, and as, as selfish as this sounds from my perspective, and I am a selfish guy, you know, the single women, they're looking for their orgasm. So like if I'm having sex with them and it, it, you know, it's harder for women to come from, from vaginal intercourse. It's easier for them to come from manual stimulation or oral. So if I'm having sex with a girl and then I don't know this and I just nut, the minute I nut, I have no more interest. It's like eating a full meal and somebody saying, do you want a cheeseburger? It's like, no, dude, I'm full. I just ate. <laughs> so like the minute I come, the girl's like, oh, I didn't come. Can you finger me and go down on me? I'm thinking, I'm well, done. I really want to do that. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know, but I'm like, well, that's kind of selfish, but it's true. With the couples, the orgasm is handled later by the husband because when the single girl meets me, her motivation is hopefully a relationship for her, but also some kind of a sexual orgasm. Where with the couple, they don't want the relationship with me, at least the primary relationship with me. And it's not about the orgasm. It's about pleasing the husband through the visual experience or this sort of couple interaction. And the orgasm comes later after well, I'm gone. Well, one, one, day, one day we come to Caliente and we end up playing with you. Um, you can be sure that Carol's going to want you to give her an orgasm. So I'll have to give before you a couple you of pointers me, okay? in advance before she gets fucked. <laughs> now I know. Make well, sure then, he, since, he gives and, it to me since, before. 
Uh-huh. And since it's you, I'm just going to take off my Surfer Dave necklace. I'm going to put it on you, and she won't even tell the difference. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what Dave, like, which one? Dave no, Dave? but she likes the difference. Part of what we enjoy about being swingers, and we have been for 10 years, is that excitement, that experience of playing with different yeah. people. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. I love yeah. it. Yeah, I know. It's great. And the thing is, is listen, I mean, I'm not saying that you know, girls don't have orgasms with me. I'm just saying that, like, you know, I, I there's certain girls that it, it's more difficult for them to orgasm from vaginal intercourse, and, and I would ask Carol. I would suspect yeah. that for Carol, it's easier for her to master or to uh, to orgasm from oral sex or mm-hmm. from manual stimulation as opposed to just vaginal intercourse. Uh, I could be wrong, but I would suspect that based on the research. Yeah, mostly yes, absolutely. You're no, right she, about that. She likes to be happy or pussy eaten and then get fucked hard, but she will come Good. from uh, oral sex for sure. Absolutely. And if we, by the way, if we ever meet, goes because I'm totally like a gazillion percent straight, and I have to say that these days because there's so many you know bi guys, which I have nothing against the bi guys. I'm just straight, and I know the risk statistics. So like for me. I'll like go like if we ever meet you guys and like say we're at the haunted, I would totally go down on her all day long. But the minute another penis enters her vagina, no more. Sex. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Get it. Get it. We have friends like that. Every, everybody has their own thing. It's all like, good. I, Yep. I love kissing, but the uh-huh. minute she blows another dude, kissing <laughs> stops. Not wash around. But this is because I'm so like anally clean. I mean, I shower before, I shower after. I'm always getting tested. I'm very. I have a vasectomy. I'm very. I'm very trying to be you know, sort of socially, sexually responsible and that stuff because I think it's important and you want to be sort of a, an ambassador for your cause. You know, like the, you know, you're like the tennis player that like doesn't want the tennis strings to be manufactured by child labor in Indonesia. So you, you pay more money and you get the Canadian tennis racket. (laughs) So so Dave, it was interesting. You brought up point about bisexuality and we know in the lifestyle, there's so many bisexual women and very few bisexual men. However, there seems to be more bisexual men these days are you seeing that or experiencing that yeah. as well? Well, first thing I would say is that I think male and female bisexuality are actually pretty equal in terms of, of uh, you know, frequency. But I think that it's just not socially acceptable as much for uh, for male bisexuality. So a lot of the men keep it uh, on the DL. I have met several, several couples where the guy lists on their profile that they're straight and they will even ask me directly, like through an email, like, hey, you know, you buy or I can play this way, blah, blah, blah. Or they'll put what I call subtly signaling. So they'll put straight, but they'll say in the describe your bisexuality section of the profile, they'll say, oh, he's totally straight, but understands that in close quarters, swords or swords may cross. I'm like, no, swords, no, swords, swords don't, don't cross. Have to cross close right? Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. like, no, things don't. You know, so so it's, you know, it's one of these things where I think a lot of the women, I, you know, when I was on a way back in the day, I was an adult friend finder back in L.A., and I met this couple and I always tell every couple, everybody, I'm like, look, I'm straight because I want everyone to be happy. I don't want to like show up and the guy wants to blow me. I'm not going to do it. So he's disappointed. You know what I mean? Like I want everyone happy. I want the experience to be positive for everyone. So I'd rather, you know, like let's just say hypothetically, Dave's by, uh, you know, uh, you know, you're not and I really want to have sex with you and you're hot. I would give up having sex with you and, and lose out on that experience just because I don't want David to be disappointed because he's not being able to get what he wants if he's in that sort of camp. You know what I mean? For me, it's like I, I, this couple, they email me and I say, hey, you know, I'm totally straight. And the girl emails me, oh, so are we, blah, blah, blah. So we set up a date. And then I get an email from the profile. And it, I guess it's the guy. And he says, hey, you know, I can't wait to watch my wife, you know, suck your cock. And he's like, it'd be cool. You know, do, would, you, would you mind if we both did it? And I'm like, sorry, man. I'm like, you know, I'm yeah. not by, but, you know, good luck. You know, mm-hmm. good luck to you guys. I don't, I don't take offense, you know. And uh, and then later on, I get an email I get it from the profile. And now the woman are we still on for tonight at eight? Or seven or whatever. I said, email the back and I said, listen, I, you know, like I told you, yeah, I told her, I said, you know, I'm not into the you know, buy thing. She's like, my husband's not buy. And I sent 
I forwarded what he sent me, and she's like, oh, I had no idea. Oh. And even today, I was talking to this girl uh, that I'm supposed to hook up with on Friday, and I met at the pool last weekend, and she's like, oh, you know, um, uh, this, her friend is by this guy friend, but he's, he's married, and he, she doesn't think his wife knows. I mean, there's a lot of, like, sort of, of subtlety. Now, for me, if I'm bi or gay, I'm all about it. I'm, I'm advertising. I'm like, hey, I'm bi, I'm gay. I'd be on Grindr, getting laid all the time, less, you know, investment. But I'm not. In the same way that I wish I could eat broccoli and asparagus because I know it's good for me, <laughs> I just don't like broccoli and asparagus. But it's so important. And as much, it's so important it to be open and honest because everybody's in there for a good experience, right. and um, being um, just totally honest is the best way to go. Yeah. Well, here's an interesting story. So I'm at the Caliente pool. You know, I, I, mean, I go every day because like I had to pay the $2,400 membership. So if I go every day, it works out to like five bucks a day. So, cause it's actually a 13 month membership, not a 12 month. So we pool every day. And, and you know, I, and this last weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'm at the pool and there's always, this couple always comes and sits by me. And I didn't realize that it might've been deliberate. I just kind of happened to be that this couple is always next to me and the girl's cute. And I'd always talk to the guy, but she would sit next to me, but she would kind of like turn away. So it's kind of like this mixed signal, like why are you here? But then you're kind of like, have your back more toward me than your face. But I would talk to her and she talked to me and I talked to him and we're all schmoozing and you know, they're from Georgia and stuff. Anyway, so I, I'm trying to figure out these people's story. I've been doing this for 20 years. I'm pretty good at recognizing who's in the lifestyle and I, but I, I couldn't figure out what the dynamic is. These people keep showing up. They keep talking to me. They keep sitting by me. The girl's cute, but she doesn't really face me. I'm like, this is weird. It's like this mixed signal. So eventually we're in the pool. This is Sunday, like two days ago. And I wait for her to swim away because I don't want to offend her because you might've been a nudist or something. I said to the guy, I'm like, hey, listen, I'm like, your wife's cute. I'm like, um, you know, are you guys like in the lifestyle or you know, do you play? And he's like, well, you know, it's really her choice. And right after he says that, he grabs my dick. I was like, oh, Whoa. my God. And I like completely <laughs> unexpected. I jump back. You know, if I were like a big, like, you know, I, I'm tall and bald. So people think I'm like the strong, like mean guy, but I'm not. I'm super nice. Like <laughs> I would have normally decked the guy if like, I, you know, because that's completely you. You ask before you of touch course. anybody. I mean, even if I'm with you guys, I would say, hey, can I touch your boob? And you say yes. Then I check with David. David, can I touch your boob? It's cool. Then I disclose my straightness to make sure David's <laughs> And then, you know, there's this sort of lockstep process, right? Where, where with this guy, so I jump back. I'm like, oh, man, that's not my thing. If that's your thing, cool, whatever. And then I, like, avoided him you know, the rest yeah. of the weekend. And I kind of pointed him out to some other people. I'm like, watch yeah. out for that dude. Yeah. So now did she, and a lot of my friends ask, well, do you think she knew? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, they're at Caliente. I mean, she probably knows, you know what I mean? But it's definitely there. And, and I don't have anything against, you know, gay or bi people. I'm very pro-gay marriage, pro-gay rights, animal rights, women's rights, everything. I'm an equality kind of guy. I mean, I, I think first. men should have equal rights as women, but that doesn't mean I want to have sex with men just because right. I think they should have equal rights, right? right? Yeah. All right. Wow. Very interesting section. All right. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carl and David. Today, we're talking with pornographer Dave Pounder, author of the book, Obscene Thoughts. And when we come back, we're going to bust a few sexy myths about single men in the lifestyle and a little bit more about the porn industry. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This portion of The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David is sponsored by Naughty Norleans, July 25 to 30, 2018. Naughty in Orleans is the largest lifestyle convention for couples in the world. With over a thousand couples, this event is not only a full takeover of one of French Quarter's biggest hotels, but it takes over Bourbon Street too. It sure does. So join us for a five-day, four-night hotel takeover alternative lifestyle convention. It is a gathering of open-minded couples who are all interested in exploring their sexuality while visiting New Orleans, one of the sexiest cities in America. 
check out our website for all the details, the sexylifestyle.com travel and events page. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and today we're talking with pornographer Dave Pounder. And now it's time for our sexy myth busting game all about porn and single men in the swinging lifestyle. Each show, we invite our sexpert guests to bust a few sexy fun myths to help us filter through some of that misinformation that we find out there on the internet, especially when it comes to the topic of sex and sexuality. So Dave, are you ready? I'm ready, but right after I plug my book at www.obscenethoughts.com. Go ahead. Beautiful. (laughs) So it's a true or false and why? Here's the first question. All porn is real. I guess it depends what you mean by real. Um, I mean, it's real in the sense that it's being shot and there's people there having sex. It's false in the sense that it signals what females would want in an ideal sexual experience. And it's true in what I think most men would want in an ideal sexual experience. Men, porn caters to men, romance novels cater to women in terms of those who read no romance novels versus those who watch porn. And it's absolutely entertainment and it's not real sex per se. Yeah, you're right, correct. I mean, it's entertainment, but it's, it's, it's not, you know, simulated sex I mean, there are real people there you know there's real penetration there's there's a real cum shot there's there's it's real and what's happening but it's not a real gotcha. depiction of what i think an ideal sexual relationship is especially for women okay here's one of my favorites male porn stars can just stay hard for hours and hours and hours that depends on whether they've taken Caberjack. Caberjack <laughs> is a common um uh, erectile dysfunction drug that was prescribed for paralyzed people to be able for them to be able to have sex. They're paralyzed from the waist down. It has found its way into the porn industry because the shooting has become more technical, telling people to stand in cold pools or stand on top of a hot car, and there's no way any normal person can maintain an erection. Caberjack is an injection in the base of the penis, which then basically keeps, you could be just talking about statistics and have a hard-on for like five hours. Then there's also other ED drugs like Viagra, Cialis, Levitra, um, and I would say out of a thousand male performers, 999 are using some form of uh, erectile dysfunction assistance. And Caberjack appears to be now the most common because the, the shooting has gotten so much more technical. In my day, it was more Viagra. Wow. So, so they put those fluffers out of business? No fluffers. I, I've been in porn 10 years. I never. I, I, there may have been a fluffer once at like this Bukaki gangbang thing uh-huh. where they just wanted to get guys hard so they could just go in nut and go on. But that's, I mean... You know, one out of a thousand, thousands of scenes. I mean, when you know, when you see that I've done a hundred scenes, that's just, those are just the movies. There's also yeah. the internet sites. You know, they've been in like a thousand, thousand scenes of about a hundred movies. So know? here's another question: Porn actors get emotionally connected while they are performing. False. False. <laughs> yeah, no, man. We just we just bang away, and um, I think a lot of it goes to mate discrepancy. So if you are, the, you know, for for porn, it's not about the attractiveness of the guy; it's about his ability to perform, to get an orgasm, or to get an erection on his own, to be able to maintain that erection, and to be able to come when the director needs him to come. It's not about pleasing the woman; it's not about his physical attractiveness. It's about it's not even about his size, really. There's a minimum size to be able to open up for a camera shot, but it's more about his ability to maintain an erection and come when needed. So if there's a guy who's really ugly that's able to do that, he's having sex with a girl who's a 10 who would otherwise never give him the time of day, he's more likely to become attracted to her or maybe develop some kind of what I would call false feelings just because she's out of his league otherwise. But I've never seen a relationship work without drama by performers in the adult industry to this day. I just don't think it works. Okay. So at the end of the day, porn actors have no energy or desire to have sex with their real partners at home. Well, most porn actors do about one scene a day. I mean, some, I think the busiest I ever did was like four scenes in a day, which is really rare. Normally it's one, maybe two. If you're shooting feature porn, you're there all day. It's one scene, one cum shot. 
So you can come home and have sex with your partner. It also depends on how attracted you are to your partner. There is a scientific principle um, called the Coolidge effect that shows that men get, you know, like in, in economics, there's marginal utility, right? You have your first slice of pizza, that's great. You have your second, it's still great, but then as goes to the first, and eventually on slice number eight, it really provides little additional value. <laughs> right. That's how men see sex with the same partner. So uh, although men love to say, oh, sex with my wife now is better than it ever was, it's all bullshit for the wife's benefit. The first time the guy ever has sex with the girl is the most exciting, the most erotic, she's a novel partner. From there, it goes, it's downhill, which is why the lifestyle is great because it can rejuvenize and sort of you know make make sex better. I think for for couples, especially from the male's um, perspective. So, just Google the Coolidge effect, and you'll see that they put rats in an aquarium, and the rat eventually you know had sex with his with his mate, and after a couple times of having sex, he kind of got lazy and barely had sex. The minute they introduced a novel female into the population, immediately arousal, interest, sex, orgasm. Uh, Google Coolidge effect. Um, so if he's been with his wife for a long time, he's less likely to have energy. And a lot of wives complain about that. My husband hasn't touched me in 10 years or that kind of stuff. Um, very rare if it's a new partner. You just started dating a girl, you're a porn star, you do a scene, you come home, you bang her because she's still new and novel. You got it. Okay, here's another one. Single men get into the swinging lifestyle to avoid commitment. Um, I don't think men... Well, it depends what you mean by commitment. There's emotional commitment. There's sexual commitment. So I think men are very much emotionally committed. And that's not why they get in the swinging lifestyle. That's just why they want a relationship or they date, period. In terms of sexual commitment, I argue and I've always argued that men have no interest in sexual commitment, period, even with their ideal mate, that they'll always cheat if they're in an allegedly monogamous relationship or they'll push for the lifestyle and value partner variety. Um, So to me, it's not that – it's just – it's kind of like saying you know, if you're somebody that likes uh, food – and, you know, there's no, you know, prostitution, there's no sort of commercial, you know, grocery store that you're more likely, it makes sense to live by a forest where there's a lot of animals that you can hunt, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I get it. So, you know what I mean? If yeah. I'm trying to avoid like, you know, vegetarianism, it's just that, you know, we're current, we're, we're omnivores, we like both meat and vegetables, but if, unless we want to just eat vegetables, we might as well live by the forest where the bears and deer are. So here we've got time for one more and it will be, sure. our last one will be, women are only interested in single men for their BBC. Big black cock or big oh, white cock? No, it, <laughs> Either way. Yeah, I, I joke, I call it LWC, little white cock. And whenever I see a couple that says, hey, we want BBC, I email them and I'm like, hey, I'm black from the waist up. Does that count? <laughs> the, uh, no, but I'm actually pretty well enough for a white dude. No, that's not true at all. Um, I think there are certain couples that have a a sort of a, you know fetish for that, where they you know there's the BDSM couples, there's the BBC couples, where they only play with the black guys. But I find that my experience is that the younger uh, couples uh, don't want guys at all because you know again it's it's higher testosterone, more about mate guarding, more fertility when when the, when their female partners are younger. Then like in their 40s and 50s, they get into the whole guy thing. Single guys, when I talk, you know, talking to most couples, they tell me single guys are easy. You know, they, it's much easier to connect with one person than two, whether it's scheduling, whether it's mutual interest. I mean, if, if the three of us all meet here at Caliente, and we have a good time. You know, there's no problem. It's easy. I mean, we just like everybody. But if I have a girl and she's not in David, or if we've never met and she's in the David, but you're not in the me, it ruins it for everybody. Or if you guys say, hey, meet me at the Caliente pool at three o'clock on Friday, but my wife's working, I can't meet you guys. And then we miss that opportunity. Right. So it's a lot harder for couples to connect. Mm-hmm. So, and it's and single girls are, are rare. And when they're there, they're usually nuts. So I find that, <laughs> I find that like for this, for this single guys, you kind of got the creepy guys who can't get laid and they come here hoping for like the gangbang girl or the industry, the, you know, the uh, girl who's not really discriminating uh, and her partners and that's the only way they get laid. But when you meet like the, the social, fun, single guys like myself who could otherwise have a relationship but actually 
think it's more ethical to kind of be single. I, I think that works out well for couples. And then, I mean, I've, had, I've been having a great time here. I mean, there's there's no uh, shortage of interested couples. I mean, I met a couple last night in the hot tub. I'm interested. I got a girl coming over on Friday. I got a, like two couples. And like I talked to them. I need like a secretary to manage like all the interest. You know what I mean? And it's in. I don't say that like in an arrogant sense. It's just that I'm a I'm a respectful, nice person and it's like you know I, I i'm always you know trying to respect everybody's boundaries and, and make everything work and when you meet people and you have those connections and you have friends from all over the world like hey we're gonna be in town and i'm like oh crap there's like three couples i've known over the last 20 years and all in town the same weekend how am i gonna get everybody <laughs> to hang out so you know like you said communication is the key to all of this talk 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 even coming into the lifestyle talk about it talk how you felt talk about you know you guys hang up you guys want to meet me what do you think of Dave? Is he anything that pissed you off? Maybe we should meet him, go to the hot tub, talk, you know, <laughs> it's all about communication and progressing Absolutely. slowly yet efficiently. And uh, I think that's the best way all to right. make it work. Hold that thought. We're going to get into a commercial and then we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about Caliente. So this is the sexy lifestyle. And let us remind you that today we're talking with the amazing Dave Pounder, who's a pornographer and author of the book, Obscene Thoughts. Obscene Thoughts. <laughs> Coming up next is our favorite segment, Great Sex Matters. So stay tuned. This segment is sponsored by Luxury Lifestyle Vacations and their Alaska Splendor Sexy Cruise on June 17 to 24, 2018. If you're looking for an upscale lifestyle event, join us on the Sexy Cruise aboard the Crystal Symphony Luxury Cruise Ship, departing from Vancouver, BC, cruising deep into Alaska with the super sexy team at Luxury Lifestyle Vacations. Yep, and if Alaska's wondrous landscape is a dream vacation for you, why not spend it with other like-minded, sexy, fun friends like us? Check out our website for all the details, thesexylifestyle.com, travel and events page, or contact us for more information at ask at carolyndavid.com. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, and today we're talking with pornographer Dave Pounder, author of Obscene Thoughts. And now it's time for our favorite part of the show where we get to talk about great sex because... Great sex matters, and we all deserve it. And as we know, May is Masturbation Month, and there's so much discussion about sex and sexual education, which is directed towards women, trying to reverse some of their harmful stigma towards female sexuality. And the current messages are focused on assuring women that it's okay and natural to masturbate. And we know very well that we don't have to tell men the same thing. They just do it. And of course, masturbation is just as beneficial to men and women. So, Dave, let's touch base on masturbation in the adult entertainment industry. You know, solo masturbation scenes for females, I mean, again, I think it's really more catering toward the male and getting the guy off watching the girl, you know, masturbate. I don't think she, I think when you, when you shoot a female masturbation scene for, in porn, it's for a male audience, not for sort of an educational female audience. But I agree with you completely that, that masturbation for both men and women um, is very healthy and that women should absolutely explore that, prevents them from having to have sex with some guy that I didn't see. <laughs> you know, they don't want to have a stalker at their door when they can, you know, just get off by a, uh, sort of taking care of themselves. But, uh, you know, all the stuff I filmed was pretty much, you know, boy-girl stuff. And even the stuff I shot as a producer, very rarely. If we did shoot a masturbation, it was just like a, you know, five to ten minute scene. And again, she's looking at the camera, you know, telling, oh, how hot it is. I love this cock. I wish it was yours. You know, the stuff that's geared toward men, not toward women. But masturbation, absolutely very uh, sex positive and should be encouraged for both men and women. And the way I look at masturbation is, you know, everybody has a, a sexual need. Like, you need food, right? And if you can't get food, maybe you take a multivitamin and some water and, like, you know, masturbation is that multivitamin in water for people who can't otherwise get access to a sexual partner that they desire. 
Beautiful. All right, we're going to get a little personal here. So let's get back to Caliente and you as a single guy there. How do you and how the, the way you play with couples, how do you think that enhances those couples' relationships? Oh, I can tell you it enhances it dramatically. I mean, like, you know, at first when I was first doing this at 22, I'm like, why the hell would anybody want a single guy? Like, what the hell do we bring to the table? And even if I was a couple, I'd be like, no, I, I would put no single guys and block guys, but then I would, I would have my wife search. I don't have a wife, but if it's search for a guy she liked and then I kind of reach out to him. But I can tell you, I mean, even last night I met this couple and um, they're very discreet. They only share their email address, no phone numbers, no names, and don't certify us. We don't certify. We're very private. And, you know, they're engaged and, you know, met them at the hot tub. I know that I could probably just go in, but I know women like talking first and kind of getting to know the guy. So I met, we talked, I got tucked all over their legs. Is this okay? Is this okay? And we had this awesome experience. It was great. You know, guys, totally straight. We talked about that. And it was just great. I went home with a big smile on my face. They went home with a big smile. Everybody was happy. But I keep stressing the fact that the woman wasn't happy that she had sex with me. She was happy that she had sex with a non-creepy, decently attractive guy. And she made her husband excited watching her in that experience. And that made the experience positive. I say, oh, and, and I would suggest that maybe we can ask Carol, like if for whatever reason, David fell off a bridge or died or got a heart attack or whatever, and she was single, would she, you know, stay in the lifestyle and just meet a bunch of single guys and couples? Or would she, you know, kind of just hang out and maybe go back to vanilla dating? And then if the guy no she's with No vanilla dating, happens, please, no vanilla dating. Okay. But, but, but the, I don't but know if I would be a unicorn in the lifestyle. I think I would still want to have a partner in the lifestyle, but it's definitely right. still stay in the lifestyle, no doubt about it. But I guess the question is, is if David, God forbid, something happened to him, and you all of a sudden just met some other guy at work or like just on the subway or something, and you guys start dating and you like the guy, would you say, hey, you know, uh, do you want to come with us to Hito? <laughs> like, do you want to, you know, meet these other couples and have threesomes? Or would you kind of hang out until he suggested no it? No way, man. No way. I'm in the lifestyle for good now. I can't imagine okay, good. And not it, being in it. In, and that's awesome, but I would say that that's rare. Yeah, I would say maybe. that most couples I would ask would be the where, where when the guys break up, they're like they try to stay in the single guys, they try to find other girls, they bring them back in, you know, things along those lines. But I'm definitely, I can tell you, and I ask people like these, these this talk we're having now. I mean, I, I'm very nerdy and I'm interested in data, and I ask all of these couples the same questions, and um, you know, and it's always about my benefit is it, it, I would n in never way say that the girl's not having fun because she is, but she's not having fun because she's having sex with me. As much as I, as it disappoints my ego, <laughs> like she's having sex because she loves her husband. Her husband's excited. It's something they share that they do together as a couple. Great, you know great I mean? answer. Love it. Yeah. Now, as we wind up here, I think we should leave the audience with a really some good advice about, you know, what it means to be a bull in the lifestyle, which means a single guy. So, if you were to give some advice of what the top two things that a couple should do before inviting a single man into the bedroom, what would that be? Well, the first thing is making sure that you want a single guy at all, like finding out like, why do we want the single guy? Um, what type of single guy, you know, making sure the girl's attractive, making sure that the guy's willing to take the time to talk to the girl, knowing the rules. I love kissing. This couple I just met earlier mentioned, even before we met that kissing is a no, no for them. So, but I knew that otherwise I would have just <laughs> went in for the kiss. So as, as you guys have said before, communication, 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 why do we want the guy? What type of guy do we want? Do we have a safe word? I mean, you guys could like be hanging out in the hot tub and go, listen, if you like the guy say, 
Oh, did we did we let the dog out at eight, or did Mark walk that? You know what I mean. That, that way, like, it. there's no awkwardness on whether the person is interested. Me myself, I'll talk to a couple. I'm, oh, I'm going to use the bathroom, give you guys a chance to talk, so they can talk privately without me to see if they're interested. Then I come back and they can, you know, see what they want to do. So I think that's important. And uh, most important is to go on sdc.com and email Surfer Dave. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I got a plug, right? But that's not until they go to obscenethoughts.com and read the book. <laughs> Absolutely. No, that sounds great. And those are all really great ideas. B- talking about the limits and expectations prior to inviting a man into their bedroom. And of course, like you say, take it slow and make sure that everybody's on the page, the same page before they get started. After, after they're done, how was it? What'd you like? What didn't you like? And, and refine your strategy. Yeah, Beautiful. communication is great. Well, you know, that was an amazing show. The hour went by so quickly. We're going to have to invite you back for another show. Why don't you take a couple of minutes and tell people how they can reach out to you and even buy your book? Sure. I mean, you can get the book if you go to www.obscene.com. You can learn more about me by going to pornographyexpert.com. It's a kind of a bio page. You can watch my documentary at riskybusinessthemovie.com, which talks about the porn industry um, to get in contact. Or you can email me at davepounder at gmail.com. Other than that, it's all there. And to anybody who's interested in meeting me, no bisexuality, please. Yeah. No, no bisexuality. We, we got that pretty clear. All right, Dave, hang on just a minute. We're going to wrap up. Right. So, you know, we're learning more and more every week with all our fantastic guests, and we hope you do too. Remember, great sex matters. And you deserve it. And we encourage every couple to make a point of learning more about sex and sexuality and all the different ways to spice up your sex life. To find out more, you can go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com radio show guest page to see all our amazing sexpert guests. Click on their link and contact them if you need more advice. Well, that's it for our show today. Dave, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. I appreciate it. And thanks to everybody out there for listening. And remember to sign up on SDC.com for one month free using our promo code 30314. And we have some great events and trips coming up. Right. We're going to be on the Crystal Symphony cruise ship in just under a month, going up to Alaska with Luxury Lifestyle Vacations on their Alaska Splendor Lifestyle Cruise, June 17th to 24th. And in July, we'll be in Barcelona visiting Club Oops and then joining SDC at Cap Dag, the Naked City, from July 2 to 10th. And we can't wait for this amazing lifestyle experience. And of course, as the reigning queen and king of Naughty in New Orleans, we're going to be getting naughty once again at Naughty in New Orleans, July 25th to 30th. And for more information about these trips or anything else, you can visit our website, thesexylifestyle.com, or send us an email at ask at carolandavid.com. Join us again next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David reminding you to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny. Stay sexy, everybody. Until next time. Thank you for joining Carol and David for this week's edition of The Sexy Lifestyle. We've got another one lined up next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This weekend is just around the corner, so try something new, spice it up, and you just might have the best sex ever. 